This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by Lucky Bastard Distillers, Saskatchewan's premier distillery, and by the Pilot Bowens Brewing Company, brewed in the heart of Regina. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's Sergio Missed on Purpose podcast. <laughs> I'm Joel Gaston with John Fraser, as usual. Uh, yeah, we have a few things to talk about today. Um, as we've discussed in the past, um, Interesting rider news surrounding this podcast tends to either happen like moments before we're going to record or like it happened three weeks ago when we're finally talking about it. That's fair. That's, um, there's no real in between with no. us. Uh, in this case, it was uh, earlier before we record on this fine Sunday. Um, the news that Nick Marshall in uh, some uh, legal trouble down south, some gun charges in Georgia. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk as well also sort of the... The early stages of the rider coaching search, which I'm sure behind closed doors will really be kicking into gear this week with uh, kind of the entire CFL together in one area uh, for Grey Cup week, of course. And then, of course, we will talk a little bit about the West Final and the East Final and uh, the upcoming Grey Cup. But speaking of the West Final, um, our boy. Yes. Sergio Castillo. He had uh, not the best day we would have ever seen the man have. Yeah, he, uh, he he missed a couple of field goals. I think one of them was a little bit. I mean, the wind was gusting the one way so much so that Michael Shea took the wind in the fourth quarter rather than taking the ball, which was interesting. And and it swirls a bit in yeah. in, in in IG Field, so I can I kind of got it. They wanted to make it easy in case you needed Sergio to kick a game winner. But all thoughts aside, I really thought they should have taken the ball there. But you're yeah. right. Not our boy's best night. No, and not making any excuses. I mean, that's his home stadium. He should he should, he should be able to work through that. Um, but there was actually a greater, a greater, you know, sort of thing. Um, there's a greater power at work there. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, as John does, as he watches Bomber playoff games, he tends to consume a few beverages. Just, just a few, just um, a couple. In the past, we've talked about his horrific pregame one that we won't talk about yet, or hopefully <laughs> ever again. But this time around, uh, John was actually chatting with Sergio earlier in the day and he let him know that, uh. For every time Sergio split the uprights, and I assume that's field goals and PATs. That is field goals and PATs, yes. Okay. Uh, you were going to take a shot. Yeah, I started it uh, in the last uh, last regular season game for the Bombers where Sergio had a huge night, and I said, I started this thing, I'm doing a shot or doing a drink every time you put it through the uprights, and uh, I have a headache today, thanks a bunch. Kind of like, a, uh, I, I genuinely did. I had a shot or a drink for every time our boy put it betwixt the uprights. So I texted him that this morning, or the yesterday morning, and he responded back basically saying, well, I hope I'm putting a bunch through the uprights. And we laughed about it. All was well. Wished him good luck in the game. And then I see the one for three score line is, of course, I'm watching one of them being a doink, of course. <laughs> and I'm going, and I believe it was you that suggested, he's just looking out for my liver. He knew his team mm-hmm. was going to win the game. He's like, ah. Got to think of my boy John. Might uh, you know he he doesn't need to go that hard tonight. It's his middle child's birthday tomorrow. 
better just uh, you know not have my best night. So uh, that's that's why Winnipeg fans, you have no reason to be worried at all. And dare I say, in a very much smaller case, this is a little bit of the Fraser curse popping mm. its head up. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I, I think it's it's ultimately he is looking after you and your liver. Um, right, because obviously he doesn't know the endurance of my liver, so... Yeah, I mean, I guess that's... I suppose that's fair, but it's, it is also the long game. He knew there was going to be another week, and uh, the way you watch that game play out, you know, BC weren't going to score many more points, so in the end, those six points didn't really make much of a difference, but uh, I'm sure for your mental health, uh, the, the extra six points, especially partway through the fourth quarter when it was still a one-possession game, probably would have helped a bit. Oh, certainly. Uh, or it just kept me on the edge of my seat. It kept me involved in that game because it was like one of those that you're like after before the Hail Mary. It's like, well, OK, yeah. I know. Well, yeah, because like, though... we had we had plans on Saturday night to go to a friend's house and hang out there with some people. And I was kind of like, oh, earlier I had said, OK, well, the game's at 430. It'll be done by 730. We can leave. It's fine. But then I forgot about the stupid rest of the world changing their clocks. <laughs> Which pushes it to 530. Yeah, so it goes to 530 to by 830. And it's like, well, I guess we can't really wait that long to go to this thing yet. So then I was like, OK, well, I'll make a decision at some point during the game. Like, maybe it'll be a blowout. We can go or it won't be that interesting. We can go. I can kind of catch up later. And then the game did like just enough to keep me on the fence. Where I was like, ah. Like, can this just break one way or the other, please, so I can make a decision on whether I should? Because, like, yeah, that Hail Mary at the half, I was like, right before that, I was like, okay, yeah, we can leave at halftime. It's fine. Not a problem. Yep. And then they hit that Hail Mary, and I was like, oh. And then they then, Winnipeg opts to not, to give BC the ball after that, and I'm like, oh. Right? <laughs> I have no idea what Michael Shea was thinking there. Yeah, I mean, they got away with it, but I was like, because right, right. like, if, if BC goes on to score a touchdown that drive, I think they win the game, and they're having a very different conversation about that decision. Oh, certainly. And and I like it was one of those that just you go, OK, you've got a chance. You're at home. Ideally, you score a touchdown here. You probably don't need to worry about the wind in the fourth quarter. But uh, hey, I guess that's why Mike O'Shea is a success successful CFL coach. And I am not. But uh, yeah, no, it would have been nice to, to, to see our boy put a couple more between the uprights. So thank you, Serge, for uh, looking out for my liver. But uh, trust me, that uh, that big guy, he'll be he'll be fine. You just go next week and win yourself another uh, MOP. Yeah, because um, next week, uh, not to get too much into the Grey Cup just yet, but uh, next week they're they're probably going to need those six points against that defense. Oh, oh, absolutely. And I have numbers. I have stats. I built a spreadsheet, Joel. I'm ready to talk about my fears about this year's Grey Cup. Mm. So, yeah. Sound real excited there. I mean, and still this a mind-blowing fact that this is the first time these two teams have ever played in a Grey Cup. I know, right? Like, for a, a, for a small league, like, small in terms of number of teams, and for how long it's been a league, the fact that two teams have not played in a championship game is mind-blowing. I know. I know. Like, that's... And, and... But I guess their eras of being good have never really crossed over. No, it's true. Like, like Winnipeg was such, like... When Winnipeg was dominant in the early 2000s, even though they never won... Montreal hadn't figured it out. Then you had the Calvillo years where Winnipeg fans suffered with the Joe Mack days and just the terribleness that was Bomber football for a lot of years. So I think this is the first time, at least in my memory, that both yeah. teams could be considered good. And everybody, I think, like, I think it was Plaster who was telling me that he believes in like the fifties. Both teams were pretty good, but I mean, I'm yeah. not, I'm not up on my CFL history enough to know whether that's true or not or anything like that. But he was, he even he was surprised. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I didn't believe that at first. 
<laughs> See, and that's why Dan Plaster is too smart for this podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, many people are too smart for this podcast, so that's, 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 that's why that's we generally right. keep it to us. That's, um. that's absolutely right. And then every time we bring somebody else up, we're like, holy shit, they were way smarter than us. We can't have them on again. Except for Greg. That's, that's, that's I mean, <laughs> you know what? I, if I, 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 Greg and I are playing each other in fantasy football this week, and it is a, like, one-and-a-half-point game. Uh, so I don't want to ruin any last bits of karma I have here. So, uh, yes, we love you, Greg. You're definitely too smart for this podcast. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about the Grey Cup and uh, some rider news around as well. But f- as usual for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, John, what is in the glass this week? Well, I'm not double fisting because I'm almost out of alcohol in my house. Um, but what I am going with is in my veteran parenting maneuver yesterday – I had my terrible pregame tradition of uh, King Can of Labatt Blue. It just, I wince saying that even. Uh, but I went to balance that out with some Spud Light. So, you know, a person can still parent and you have, you know, a nice light beer, only 4%. And comes as advertised. If you like light beer without that sugary taste or supporting big industrial brands, then uh, Spud Light it is. It's uh, cool, refreshing, easy to drink and all that kind of good stuff you want in a light beer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, for me, because uh, we actually, I guess, inadvertently discussed this because I was also planning on having a Spud Light tonight, but because last night you said you were saving one for today, um, I had time to avoid the whole, oh, we did the thing where we have the same beer thing that we tend to do often without even talking about it. It's true. It happens quite a bit. Yeah, it hasn't happened in a while, though. We've been pretty good about it. Lately. No, because we've also been really good at like talking about what we're drinking on other days now. Yeah. We've kind of gotten into that rhythm, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I have the unofficial official... Beer of the Podcast, the White IPA. Which was going to be the only other one that survived. I had one of those instead of a Spud Light uh, during the game, right when the... That was the beer I went to right at halftime when they scored mm-hmm. the Hail Mary. Hmm. Yeah, you need a little You need a little, something a little stronger for that one. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, a little stronger than the Spud Light on that one here. That was... <laughs> oh, boy. No bueno there. Yeah. Um, also, no bueno right now for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, news just happening today on yeah. Sunday, November 12th. Uh, Details obviously still still fairly light at this point. Uh, defensive back Nick Marshall has been charged on gun-related charges in the United States. Uh, the whole story is up on 3downnation.com. Essentially, he and this woman were caught with sawed-off guns and some other stuff, yeah. which is mildly concerning, to say the least. Um, not a lot to say here at this, because obviously we don't know the details. We don't know anything like that. Of course, nothing's been proven in the court of law. All that sort of normal stuff that people talk about when these sorts of things happen. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Yeah. Yes. Um, ultimately, I don't really know how much any of this matters for the fact that given the way last year went and given the way things kind of went for Nick Marshall at times on the field, I would suggest this was probably his last year in Saskatchewan regardless. So. Yeah, yeah, especially with with uh, even though Jeremy O'Day's still there with a new coach, and you'd have to think new coordinator coming in. The thing that I always that that always gets me is like, and and maybe this is the way I I look at it, and I might be alone on this one. Is like you hear gun charges, you think, oh, you know, I I know gun laws differ a lot from Canada to state by state. You're like, yeah. maybe the guy had his gun, he got pulled over, something something like that, right? You mm-hmm. you read that, but then to realize that he had like. Uh, again, allegedly, to allegedly. put that out there so we don't get sued. Uh, allegedly, according to the police report, he had a gun modified to change a normal pistol to an automatic pistol. And you're like, why? Like, I don't want to get into a big political speak here in my opinions on the gun thing. But it's like, it's one thing for you to be in the wrong state with the wrong gun in the wrong place. 
yeah. you know, displayed incorrectly. It's another thing for you to have something that's illegal all the way across the states, but uh, we all know what's going to happen is Chris Jones is just going to sign the guy now next year, right? I mean, it was probably the likely outcome anyway. Um, <laughs> just because I, 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 you know, like I know a lot of the discussion sort of at the end of last year was the divided locker room kind of between, you know, the group that was good and, you know, sort of liked the current regime. And then there was, you know, the other side of the room that was still very much pro Chris Jones and it you know, caused friction. And I think we, we don't know for sure, but it's probably fairly easy to assume which side Nick Marshall was on. And Fair. it's kind of felt that way at times. Like he, he had a good start to the year. He kind of disappeared for a while. There were, I think, fair questions about his effort at times throughout the year, and then the last couple of games he seemed to find it again. Or he found some sort of give-a-shit level again late in the year, at least. So I don't really know exactly what happened to him this year, but it certainly felt like it was going to end for him here this year. It doesn't take yeah. away anything he's done for the franchise or anything like that, but the writing was on the wall for that, and I think this, whether you know proven or not, this now gives Jeremy O'Day a pretty easy out at this point. Right. Uh, without really upsetting the fan base that, that likes a guy that does make a lot of exciting plays. And if you watch carefully, a lot of really dog shit plays as well. So, uh, yeah, like you said, he was probably one of the guys that were going to be leaving. I wouldn't be surprised if almost everybody on that defense is going to be leaving because uh, with how terrible they were this year. But uh, like you said, gives Jeremy O'Day the easy out to say, listen, we didn't know if he's going to be suspended by Felicia. Um, and of course, I mean, maybe whoever the new head coach is could ultimately make a decision on that as well, because head coaches do have a lot of say generally in player personnel as well. Um, they're the ones who work with the players every day, and they're the ones that develop the system that say, hey, we need guys to fit like this to do whatever we do. So naturally, who the head coach was is ultimately going to be is certainly a topic for conversation as well as to whether someone like that would have stuck around or not. Um, right. It's not entirely up to the general manager. And that search for the riders is continuing um, as we speak. Um, Grey Cup week, obviously, kicking off here fairly soon. Uh, the teams will fly out in the next couple of days, head off to Hamilton, do all the sort of, you know, usual business that they get, that happens during Grey Cup weeks. Um, but ask about Boinking, you know, the usual that, stuff. That question actually did not get asked last year. It's dead. Um, Seriously? Yeah, it did not get asked last year at Grey Cup. How did I? I feel like I'm we pretty sure we this. talked about it. I'm certain we talked about this. Yeah. I just, like... I'm no, going it, on next we, to no we sleep. decided to quietly just let that go. And I think all the media were pretty much, you know, we, no one actually, we, there wasn't like a big FRC meeting where we sat down and talked about it. I think there was right. all just kind of a mutual understanding of, yeah, this thing's done. No, and I would, I would, I would agree. And I'm quite glad to see it's done, especially mm -hmm. when Mike O'Shea's been there the last four times. It gets little Department of Redundancy Department. Well, I'd be glad to hear that. But yes. either way, yes, the rest of the song and dance, yeah. the. The players arrive, the state of the league kind of stuff, and you get all the GMs and all the governors in a room, but you're basically not allowed to announce anything. No, but that doesn't mean there isn't stuff going on. So, I mean, there will be plenty of action behind the scenes this week as not just the riders, but every team sort of meets with people and, you know, sort of unofficial, official sort of conversations happen. And uh, by all accounts, there was the reporting by Farhan Lalji, or was it Dave Naylor? One of the two of them anyway. Uh, during the pregame show ahead of the division final games, talking about how the plan, and this has been talked about a fair bit, was, and I believe Jeremy O'Day said it himself at one point, the plan is for the team to have a head coach in place by the end of November. So if you're talking like the 20th next week, then post-Grey Cup, we should probably be having an announcement fairly soon in that time frame afterwards of uh, who the next head coach of this team will be. 
Um, you've all heard the names at this point. Yeah. Um, no one's really, this is not an offensive coordinator situation last year where everyone was saying no. Uh, we haven't heard anything of that like yet. Um, the lead favorite, I guess you could say, seems to be Scott Milanovic. Uh, we talked a bit about him before as well. Um, but it was also interesting on the pregame show, they said um, both Buck Pierce and there's some others were actually expressed interest potentially in this job as well. So this is certainly not you know, a closed race by any stretch of the imagination. This is not a one track race. Um, you know, other names will certainly get on board. I think, you know, they're going to talk, you know, Henry Burch has obviously very much expressed his interest in the job. Uh, he probably needs a little more time there still, but, uh, the interesting thing as well, they mentioned was that they, they still ex- expect Jason Shivers to get a formal interview. Um, mm. which I know may rub some people the wrong way based on what happened, but, I think it's still good to do for your people. I mean, he's been he's been a pretty good part of this franchise for the last number of years. And it was really only this year that yeah. the defense, you know, went off the rails. I mean, his defense traditionally had been really, really good. And you and I were mm-hmm. championing him as perhaps a head coach replacement last year. Like, yeah. let's not forget that, you know, I get this is very much a what have you done for me lately kind of business kind of league. But yeah. he's been good for a real long time. Yeah. And like, I, I don't anticipate he would actually get it unless you know, he really blows the doors off the thing during this right. interview um, and where he proves that, you know, as a head coach, he sees things completely different than what has happened here. But yes, I, I think it's, it's still, it still is the right thing to do for your people. If there is interest in the building, if there are people in the building who you believe could do this one day, you should still grant them that interview just for the oh, experience certainly. and for sort of the, you know, culture, you know, work culture kind of stuff to do so I, I i get that and i see that i know some people be like oh, how could they talk to him after they had well it's it's still kind of the right thing to do <laughs> even if he probably shouldn't get the job no no and, and at least so interviewing him it also gives you the the chance to see okay what's your tolerance level of working for whomever we hire right like mm-hmm. it gives them a chance to ask that question and see where his head's at like let's face it his stock has never been lower so you know, I'm sure he would even even if he's not even if he's not named the head coach of the team, I'm sure he'd like to have a a sort of an in or at least a conversation with the incoming coach to say, hey, this is what I've done in the past. You know, maybe I can stick around and we can find a fit together. Right. So because hmm. especially when it sounds more and more like they're going in an offensive direction. Yeah, I, I, I certainly hope they do. Um, no offense to like a Corey Mace or a Mark Killam out there. But yeah, I, I think it's time for this team to focus on offense. Oh, certainly. Like, it, 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 and that's the names being thrown around, and that's the pieces that are in place on this club. That mm. you know what, if they're going to win games next year, it's going to be a whole bunch of shootouts. And whether that's Harris or Dalagala or whoever is at quarterback, you know, I, I think that offense is built to carry this team to a few wins next year. Unlike a couple years ago, where you know you're essentially going to maybe you're going to give Jason Shivers the opportunity to completely rebuild his defense because a lot of the pieces are there on offense right now. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big reasons why Scott Milanovic is seen as a frontrunner is because he's worked with Trevor Harris before. Oh, 100%. And they've had success right? together, so that's sort of the connection people are making. Rightly, Milanovic has come out and said, you know, I'm not going to public camp- publicly campaign for any jobs, which at this right. point in his career, he does not have to. So, I mean, more power to him to be, be say, like, I'm here. If you want to talk, we'll talk. Otherwise, I'm content to do whatever. 
Well, and I think too, with 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 the shitstorm the team has just gone through the last two years. Yeah. As much as I think Buck Pierce is going to make a great head coach, as much as I think Henry Burris could make a great head coach, I think you need somebody who's been under the heat lamps before, who's mm-hmm. been on the hot seat, who has the experience. Like, I don't think this is the time to go out and get a trendy hire. Although, it, which is goofy, which goes against normally everything I believe in. But mm-hmm. well, needs- like, I, I think. I, I I would prefer the writers go down that route, go with like a Buck Pierce or a Jordan McSimmick, but I fully understand that Absolutely. Jeremy O'Day probably doesn't have the rope to do that right now. Well, well, no, because again, you look at putting bums in seats, right? At the end of the day, you have to put bums in seats, and that coach, rightly or wrongly, is going to be a big part of that compared to anybody else on this team for next year. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll have to see how this plays out. I'm sure there will be plenty of talk and discussion over the coming week here in terms of uh, which direction that may go, as uh, lots of rumors tend to start coming out during Grey Cup week. I mean, that's, yes. when, that's when the Chris Jones stuff started here, right? So I remember that, yeah. That's what happened. There was the infamous, he, uh, he talked to Daryl Davis one day, and Daryl basically straight up asked him, was like, would you be interested in something like, you know, working, you know, as GM head coach here? And he's like, his, his answer was, I'm always looking to, to, you know, progress in my career, basically. <laughs> right. Where he, he, he's like, he essentially yeah, I, said I, it without I, saying it. Yeah. I, I deny this. And let's face it. It's a CFL. You know, yeah. the thing is, is like, if the writers said that they want somebody in place by the end of November, which I think is great timing, mm-hmm. gives you plenty of time into the off season. They've already conducted three of they There's two or three candidates that they've got in mind right now, no matter how many names get thrown out there, no matter how many guys say, yeah, I'm here, listen to me. They kind of have a decision made right now at this point. Yeah, and I, I think the good news for them is, other than perhaps Buck Pierce, I don't think there's anyone else playing this week they are likely to talk to about this job. So they are certainly free to start laying the seeds and getting the groundwork done for that because everyone else should basically be available at this point because as we now know the Grey Cup is between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Montreal Alouettes. You mean they're not going to talk to Jason Moss about the vacancy? (laughs) No but I mean based on his success this year I guess they should be hiring Kahari Jones. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yes, absolutely. I mean, fired <laughs> offensive coordinators apparently takes take may become head coaches and lead teams to a great cup. Um, wow. And, 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 and can, as an aside here too, before we get into the matchup, the amount of disrespect for the Montreal Alouettes that's out there is crazy. Yes. Like that's an 11 win team. It's an 11 win team. That's now won seven games in a row. Yes. And, exi- and beat the breaks off the best team in the league. Yeah. And, and, and made Chad Kelly, who I think most people has had as their MOP look completely humble and human. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think I've seen, like, this is a, th- that Argos team was out beating teams with their backups, almost beating Winnipeg with their backups. And next thing you know, there's seven turnovers. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, yeah. that is, that, that in, in lies the beauty of the CFL where you can, once you've clinched a spot, you can put so much shit on the back burner 
and just wait for the playoffs to let it out. And that is exactly what the Alouettes did. And holy shit, did they look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, well, two-thirds of the game looked good. Um, right. And that yeah, is final. Well, obviously, I mean, their their defense was otherworldly. Um, special teams contributed with the return touchdown, where it looked like... <laughs> I remember I was sitting there, I'm like, okay, the Argos are on the board, they got something going here, I believe it was only like a two-possession game at the time, or whatever it was. Yes. It was not out of question that had the Argos clicked, they might have been able to come back. I was like, all right, if Cody's got something in him, now's the time, and then they just go ahead and return the kickoff for a touchdown. I was like, oh, or not. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Well, I guess we can put this one to bed. You're right, like any, and it was even funny, because that's Uh... when you were getting, like, after that touchdown to to make it close, Rod Smith was like, oh, you know, anything can happen. It's a CFL kickoff return touchdown next play. Yep, not so much. That conversation stopped right away, largely because Glenn Suter was not in the booth as well. So, uh, yeah, Montreal is, I, and, and the worst thing with a disrespected team like that, they know they're disrespected and they'll listen to it and they'll be fired up and they'll have a chip on their shoulder. So, mm. yeah, I'm, I would say right off at this team at your own peril. I mean, like a lot of a lot of people, I mean, I mean, kind of made this mistake last year, too. I think we were probably kind of amongst them where, you know, it looked like Winnipeg should easily handle the Toronto Argonauts last year. And yeah, look what happened. I mean, exactly. Well, exactly. And, and, and the, the the things you saw from like, Guys we like in Winnipeg media going, oh, it's the Grey Cup here in Winnipeg. This No, it's not. No. <laughs> like, holy crap, you're playing outdoors in November with a tough defense and the world's most overrated quarterback. There, <laughs> I said it. You knew it was coming. I don't know about world's most overrated, but definitely CFL's in the conversation overrated. for the CFL for sure, yes. <laughs> I would say the CFL's <laughs> most overrated quarterback right now in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Put the asterisks up in the postseason is that Calaris. And Joel, I got numbers. Yeah, you pull back the curtain a little bit. Earlier today, uh, we were discussing, or was it yesterday? Whenever. Um, yeah, it was earlier today, discussing what we're going to talk about today. And he was like, oh, I'm going to round up Zach Calaris's, um playoff numbers because I assume we're going to talk. So it's going to be brought up. I'm like, by you? He's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know I was going to find a way to bring it up. and Because, yes, if Chad Kelly, who... To me, Brady Oliveira, to get into this conversation a little bit, to me, Brady Oliveira was, is hands down, should be the MOP this year. Yes. If we're talking purely by definition of outstanding, his season as only, I believe, the second Canadian ever to have a combined 2,000 yards on offense. Yep. To, yep. to me, that meets the definition of outstanding. Chad Kelly was very, was Zach Colero's plus during the regular season where he was good. He was serviceable. He wasn't asked to do a ton. I wouldn't necessarily describe his season as outstanding, but merely very good, if that makes any sense. But, I mean, when the voting base gets smaller and smaller, with more and more people that don't watch the games, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm speaking as a man, and I get, and, and like, this is, I get hit on all the time, like, not in a good way. Like, I get hammered. (laughs) On Say, Twitter, it's on you. Nobody hits on me. <laughs> I get hammered on Twitter when I bring this up. Mm-hmm. But like, as a guy that watches every down of Winnipeg football, I can tell you, you know, Zach's got good games. He does, yep. But he's got a lot of stinkers and a lot of mm-hmm. stinkers in the playoffs. And you could not have watched that game yesterday. We we both agree, Buck Pierce is a great coaching mind. Yep. The game plan ran through Brady Oliveira. Yeah. It ran through limiting Zach's mistakes, like. That's mm-hmm. not Winnipeg's normal game plan. And again, I've watched every down of Bomber football this year, minus a game here or there. 
And I can tell you that's an entirely different offense that they trotted out against BC. Now, again, is part of that because BC couldn't stop Oliveira for a half? Of course. Right? I mean, you, you, if, if running the ball is going to work, if you're getting six, seven yards every time, you're just going to keep running the ball, right? And it, it, it certainly helped as well that the Lions lost two key receivers early and then VA was a little banged up, so he wasn't really running. And then he was seeing ghosts and he was, you know, holding on the ball way too long. So it was clear the Lions despite being in it most of the game, weren't really going to get over the hump offensively. Well, and, and, and that's it. And minus the Hail Mary, I think, you know, you only gave up the, the – you gave up three points in a Hail Mary, which was a great throw, which was a great play, great heads-up play by the receivers. But, again, at the end of the day, if he's the guy that your team runs through, why are you game-planning away from him? And, and which, I mean, won- if, you, Drew Brown could have won that game, quite frankly. I, I could have challenged to win that game. <clears throat> like, I mean, like, and the, the, the reason why we talk about this with Zach Close is he's held to such a high standard in this league, and he, and he should. Like, he is no question. Right. He's without question one of the best quarterbacks in this league right now. I think that just generally speaks more to the sort of overall level of quarterback play than necessarily him. Right, but it's just it's just funny to see the narrative come up time and time again that come the playoffs, it's like, oh, look, Zach's back. Look, Zach's doing his thing. Zach is the smallest part of, of every Winnipeg playoff game. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I, go- I remember, I, we discussed this last year, and I ran through the stats. I believe at Grey, like the day of the Grey Cup, or leading up to it, with Duncan Hodge, and they were actually amazed at how bad Zach's stats were. Right. Um, he averages in the playoffs since he took over in Winnipeg. Now, I'm not comparing his playoff, his previous playoff st- stats, because we're just talking about the the juggernaut that yeah. is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, he has one game over 250 yards. That coming in the 2019 West Final. He averages over nine games, 202 passing yards per game with six touchdowns to eight interceptions. None of those, like, if I told you that I've got a quarterback, that you're going going to go into the playoffs, Joel, at any level of football except maybe low-level NCAA in Canadian high school, and I'm going to give you a quarterback that averages 202 yards a game with more interceptions than touchdowns in his last nine games, do you think you're winning that game? No. No. Like, you look at the raw numbers, and regular season success aside – I don't get it. And and let's face it, in 2019, you had Chris Strebler. Mm-hmm. In 2021, you had an all-time performance from Sergio Castillo on one of the best defensive plays in Grey Cup history, the interception in overtime. Yeah. Like, let's and, face it. If, and wasn't that Andrew Harris's big year? That was also Andrew Harris's big yeah. year. So Harris, uh, that, 19 was Harris's big year. So right, 19 right, was right, Harris's right. big year. And then he also had the uh, he had Strebler, right? They yeah. just they went with the basically we were joking single wing, right? Uh, when they go back to back in 2021 in the Grey Cup game, uh, again he's 240 for two and two, so two big mistakes, and that's just like that's also the only game he had over you know t- 25 pass attempts in. So they asked him to win it, he couldn't really. Let's face it, it was Sergio winning that game. Mm-hmm. Okay, in the West Final in last year's losses. He did not crack 200 passing yards. 178 in the West Final, 183 in the Grey Cup. Yesterday, 158-0-0 in the West Final. I don't care how good your running game is because, you look, BC stopped it. BC brought their secondary down near the line of scrimmage and went, okay, Brady's not going to beat us anymore. Go ahead and beat us, Zach. And Zach had one drive. I'll give him that. He, Mm -hmm. He had one drive where he looked like regular season Zach. But this is it. It's just seeing this narrative over and over and over again. 
And then seeing what Montreal did to Ouellette and the rest of the Toronto Argonauts, me as a Blue Bomber fan is going, okay, Zach's going to have to win us this game, and his playoff history says he can't and he won't. Yeah, because this, this Montreal defense is built very differently than the BC one. Um, BC is just kind of a, you know, they're, everyone they talk about it, they're undersized, so it's yeah. difficult for them to stop a running team like Winnipeg for 60 minutes. So, yeah, they, they kind of figured it out eventually, but it was probably too late at that point. And, you know, they, their offense was sputtering so much that there wasn't really – they couldn't really get it back on track. Well, yeah, VA was clearly hurt. Yeah. Um, like, VA was hurt. They have no run game. They haven't had a run game to speak of this entire year. Mm-hmm. And they asked their run game to at least do something for them, and it couldn't. And VA was I, – I know we joke about good VA, bad VA, but – that was bad VA for a reason. Like he yeah. was, he I, was I, don't, I don't place it entirely. The whole, like it was a, it was a team loss for the lions. No question yeah. about it. Um, there was a lot of discussion in the week leading up to it um, about, you know, the lions being able to handle being an outdoor team going into Winnipeg in the winter, et cetera, et cetera. I it don't was think like plus two, none of that played into it. Um, that didn't matter at all. I think they even handled the noise decently. Okay. Yeah. They just, they just didn't execute when it came down to it. And Winnipeg's defense, they balled out. They played one of the best games we've seen from that unit in quite some time, quite frankly. Not that they played poorly for the last while, but we haven't seen the Winnipeg defense do that in a while. And that's well, that's that's something to keep an eye on heading in this great cup. Well, and that's the thing with with that Winnipeg defense is is they're the ultimate. They can turn it on when they know they need to. Mm-hmm. Like they're like it's rare that you can ever see a football team that can be like, all right, we're going to coast through the next four or five games, then ratchet it up and actually be good again. Mm-hmm. Winnipeg's D has done that the last four years. Yeah. That they have games that you're like, ah, eh, they're okay. You know, they're decent. But but again, this comes down to the fact that Richie Hall knew he was seeing the BC Lions a month ago. Yeah. He was able to draw something up, right? Mm-hmm. So now the thing that makes it extra intriguing is Montreal is playing off the charts good. They've been disrespected by just about everybody. They're probably going to come in as a huge betting underdog. I think, yeah. I think it's opening at like seven and a half or something I saw. So. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Over a, over a converted to Wow. Yeah. And then I've, I, I hope the over-under is inside very high this game because this this could be some Big Ten football on uh, Sunday. This this, this, could be, this could be 12-10 where Sergio actually gets his MOP. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not expecting fireworks. Uh, both offenses. I mean, Winnipeg's offense is capable whether, you know, which Zach shows up will be the question. Montreal's offense has been what it's been all year. Uh, Cody was, you know, just as irrelevant pretty much in Montreal's win yeah. over Toronto. Maybe he did a little bit more than Zach. I shouldn't maybe, you know, go that deep on Cody on that. But this is something we do need to talk about, though, because it's going to be a conversation throughout the week, of course. And that's, of course, that not too long ago, both of these guys were on the rider roster. Ha, ha, ha. What did they do? Well... So- so was VA. Yeah, so VA, I mean, he never really got a shot. We can't really know what would have happened there. Um, I always, but he was. I, he was, and I always would have liked to have seen him get a real chance because I've always I've always liked VA, and I, I think he's starting to figure it out, unlock his potential finally. Um, and I, I also want to give VA credit in that football game. Like, he took an absolute beating. He yeah. was clearly hurting, and some of it was his own fault for hanging on to the ball too dang long at times, but regardless... He hung in there and he battled as hard as he could to try to win that game. So that's a side of VA. I don't know if anyone, everyone knew if VA had that in him or not because, you know, he's sort of the running finesse quarterback sometimes doesn't get the credit for being tough. 
I, I think VA showed in that game that he's tough and he can he can hang in there when he needs to. Um, he just he was like he's like the he was like the bad guy in a horror movie in that game. He just wouldn't die. Yeah, like he kept getting hit and shot and hit and hit some more and hit some more. He just kept getting up. He was like Jason in Friday the Thirteenth. The man wouldn't die and just kept keep hanging around and hanging around. And I loved watching him. I, I like VA. I'm 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 a big VA guy. That made me even more of a VA guy. Right. Yeah. So. No, whatever the whatever the over is on the Grey Cup, uh, don't take that. No, like, take don't the take under. Like, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, yes, of course. It wasn't that long ago that both Cody Fajardo and Zach Caleros yeah. were on this roster. Um, so of course, naturally, the internet's having some fun at the writers' expense, and that's fine. I've, I have no problem, including with that. including myself. Yep, I have absolutely no problem with that. Um, but the, the narratives around, oh, you know, what could have been or something or other, you know, these lines like. Let's just stop here, okay? You ha- make the jokes. I don't care. That's fine. Yes. It's cool. Fair game. Um, the writers have deserved it at this point. But be realistic about what this is. Yes, they're both former writers. Neither of them were going to work out here no. the way it ended. I mean, you could tell. the Like, the entire time Zach Caleros was in Saskatchewan, something just felt off about it. The guy seemed miserable. For whatever reason, it just and it just wasn't a fit. Um. So well, he, it, he was not going to be a long-term solution. And had he not taken that hit in Hamilton, it's hard to say if he actually, you know, what it turns into. But I don't think it's whatever. It definitely isn't what happened in Winnipeg. And so it just it wasn't going to work out for him in that degree here. And it just wasn't a fit. And then you saw it as soon as he went to Winnipeg, he seemed like a completely different person. Oh, uh, 100%. Well, but a big part of that too was... Zach Calaris has always had the knock of health. And let's not face it. Let's face it. Saskatchewan, everybody seems to forget this. Saskatchewan did not trade him to Winnipeg. No, he got traded to Toronto. Toronto gave yep. up. Te- technically, Toronto was the one that blew it. That's that's exactly it. So I, all this narrative of, oh, yeah, no, what could have been? Zach Calaris in Winnipeg would be, re- in Saskatchewan, still would be retired by now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way he could have taken the beating he took. And I even would argue, if it wasn't for the pandemic closing down the year, that Zach Calaris would be retired by now. He had a full year to let his body heal and be healthy. And Zach Calaris, as much as we're talking about his terrible playoff numbers, it wasn't until in 2019 he looked like the guy that fit the system, that could throw the ball because Chris Strebler couldn't. He could throw it better than Matt Nichols could. He just kind of looked like the system guy. Coming out of the pandemic cancellation, he looked like an MOP quarterback in the regular season again. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is because his body had time to heal. That never happens in Saskatchewan. He gets beat to shit and, like... Again, all the talk of the what if, what if, what if. Cody Fajardo was the same Cody Fajardo in Montreal he was in in in, in Saskatchewan. Yeah, I mean, he was he was somewhere between 2019 and 2021. Cody, he was a little better but he in some. Yeah, no, he wasn't. And like, let's not forget. I mean, Zach Close became expendable because Cody was so good that year. Exactly. And so, I I I, I mean. <laughs> Clearly, Jeremy O'Day chose his coach over the quarterback because Craig Dickinson decided to move on from Cody Fajardo. And, you know, history suggests you should never choose a coach over a player. But regardless, um, I don't think in the end, had they, you know, made the decision the other way around, I don't think it would have really worked out anyway. I think the, the first sign of adversity, this fan base would have been all over Cody again and things would have just gotten more sour and. You know, as much as maybe the team wanted to move on, I think Cody, whether he publicly would ever say it or not, probably wanted to move on as well. Oh, and I would, so 
the fact that it's working out for him somewhere else, I don't think is necessarily, you know, a, you know, something to hold against the riders. It's like, well, okay, maybe he was wrongly scapegoated, but it was time for everyone to move on, and players have the option to move on as well. So, I mean, he said it. He said it to Dave Naylor last week because everyone was like, there was always the thought of, okay, if if Trevor Harris doesn't leave Montreal. Where does he go? And some people think he just ends up back in Saskatchewan or he doesn't have any other offers. No, he yeah. was going to sign in Toronto. He oh, was going really? to battle Chad Kelly for that job. Wow. That's what that's what he told Dave Naylor last week. He was going to sign in Toronto until the Montreal option became available. Well, and, and, and the funny thing is, is like if you actually look at his numbers and, 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 and like, again, we're all going to make the jokes. We're going to make the memes. It's all funny and stuff like that. Uh, there was one starting quarterback he had more pass yards with uh, than that started that played in 18 games this year. Can you name him, Joel Gasson? This year? One, one quarterback. So so out of all the quarterbacks that played 18 games or were dressed for 18 games this year, Cody Fajardo only had more pass yards than one of them. Well, wasn't Jake Mayer the only guy that played all 18? Uh, well, no, dressed for all 18. Oh, so when I'm just – I'm right. I'm on the CFL's website here. I, I'm, I'm working with what I can. <laughs> I had to go to a third-party site, get those Zach numbers from 2019, all right? So in terms in, – in the CFL's eyes, game played is you were there, you are on the sidelines holding the clipboard, or you were on the field. So out of the actual guys that, like, obviously it's not v, – obviously VA, Zach, Jake Mayer, and Chad Kelly all finished ahead of Cody Fajardo. There's one other quarterback who dressed for 18 games that he's ahead of. Dressed only, for 18. Dressed for 18. Only one. Drew Brown? Uh, Dustin Crum. Oh, yes. So outside of Dustin Crum, uh, he is apparently, according to CFL.ca, which huh. take that for what you may. Cody finished 3,800 yards. Dustin Crum, 3,100. Jake Dolagala, 2,600 in this. So it's not like, so these people that are out there suggesting that keeping Cody would have led to success just because Cody's success is there. That's a terrible take, and I am a man that knows terrible takes because normally it's me spouting them. But no, Cody Fajardo was – God, I think he was worse than 2021 this year or 2022. Uh, sorry, slightly better. You are right. He was right between – he was almost right in the middle – good job, Joel – of the 4,302 yards he had in 2019 and the uh, 3,300 3, he had last year. Yeah, so – and I mean – None of this to say like I'm I'm thrilled for Cody. I'm oh, glad so he's I'm glad guy. he's gone somewhere where he can he can kind of live that hockey player in the South life, where right. he can be you know essentially anonymous in the community, but you know still important enough to play football and be you know be a starting quarterback and get to do all of that. But there's there's he's not in the fishbowl. He can just no. concentrate and not worry about any of the stuff because clearly he gets caught up in all of it. And he doesn't have to worry about that. So I am. It was a great spot for him. I'm glad it's worked out for him. I hope he continues to be at that level, at least at a level where he is able to lead a team to success because he deserves it. He's a great dude, and a, he is a pretty good football player. It just wasn't going to happen here. No, certainly. But the more and more I look into the uh, the Cody stats and the Zach stats, like, are we going to see a game decided on a rouge here? Like, are we going to see like a a seven six game? I don't. I, I. I don't imagine it'll be that low. I don't know. I think it could be. I mean, let's face it. If bad Zach shows up and regular to bad, Cody I mean, Sergio's going to knock at least three or four through, right? So that's fair. No, yeah, no, yeah. You got Sergio outdoors, but what if it's what if it's like windy and cold? What is the weather supposed to be like? If it's windy and cold and guys aren't kicking until like the 30s, this is going to be like a three to two game. It's going to be a hockey score. 
let's take a look here. Hamilton weather forecast. <laughs> yeah, as of right now, oh, it's going to be like 7 degrees on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Sergio, MLP, it's rightly, it is back in Hamilton where it should have happened. It's going to happen now. Sergio's going to have five field goals and win a 15-12 thriller over the Montreal Alouettes. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.